I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up, going left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade, no one will catch him, touchdown! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. It's Friday. You know what that means. That means it's preview day. Mike Wells from ESPN, who covers the Indianapolis Colts, will be joining us right after the break. I've been previewing that most of the week that he was going to be our guest on Friday. Just a couple of things to hit on before we get into the interview with Mike, and we learn a lot about the Colts there. Lions released Elijah Lee on Thursday. That's not a huge surprise. They were going to make a move somewhere because they had to make room for Everson Griffin that they got rid of a defensive guy. Not surprising that they got rid of a guy like Elijah Lee, who is a linebacker and more of a special teams guys guy. They are really stacked at... Special teams first guys, especially with Mike Ford coming back and with eventually Justin Coleman returning, which probably would push Daryl Roberts even to more of a special teams role. And they still have Tony McRae and Miles Killebrew and Jalen Reeves-Mabin. So they're really stacked at that special teams, core special teamer spot at linebacker. Elijah Lee was really kind of the last guy in behind Jalen Reeves-Mabin, behind Jared Davis, who they weren't going to obviously cut. So just a tough luck situation for Elijah Lee. It wouldn't shock me if you maybe see him pop back up on Detroit's practice squad here at some point because I think he's still a player that they value, but maybe also they don't go that direction. That's kind of the biggest news that came out of the Lions on Thursday. Otherwise, the other thing to be at least mildly concerned about is Taylor Decker having a limited practice on Thursday after not being listed on Wednesday. So not really sure what happened there, whether this is kind of maintenance for their left tackle or if he got hurt during practice, which we've seen happen a few times already this year where guys pop up, Frank Ragnow being the most probably prominent example of not listed to limited practice. Kenny Galladay was also that situation where he got hurt in practice though on Wednesday of the first week of the season. So Decker's got a shoulder injury. That's going to definitely be something to monitor. Adrian Peterson also showed up as limited with an abdomen injury. So not really sure what's up there. Peterson did talk to the media after practice on Thursday. So that at least to me would be a good sign that he could be 
available this weekend for the Lions. If for some reason he were not able to go, that would likely mean an uptick in work for Carrion Johnson and maybe even more so for Bo Scarborough. Instead, Daryl Roberts also went from not listed to limited practice with a groin hip injury, so that's going to be another one to possibly monitor. But again, if Justin Coleman's getting close to maybe coming back, maybe that's a better sign for the Lions too because Coleman can just slide right back into his starting position in the slot, which Roberts has largely been playing. On good news on the injury front, Desmond Trufant practiced on a limited basis. I still think it's probably a long shot to see him play on Sunday at this point, although we'll see how he practices on Friday. Probably want to wait another week there in part two because you can afford it at this point because of the way Amani Awarie and Jeff Okuda are playing. And you don't necessarily want to rush Trufant, who's already, this is his second hamstring injury of the year. You want to make sure that thing's fully healthy at this point for the stretch run versus maybe trying to push him back too quick. And then if he hurts it another time, that's just going to be really, really rough. So I look at that and I say, all right, that's kind of their injury report. Decker is going to be the one I'm going to definitely be watching on Friday here. Peterson a little bit less so, and we'll see what happens with Roberts. And obviously, wherever Justin Coleman ends up fitting in is they can pull him off of injured reserve and get him right back into that lineup if they really wanted to, much like they did sort of with Mike Ford where they activated him and then they brought him back, obviously, in more of a special teams role. We'll be back right after this break with Indianapolis Colts beat writer for ESPN, my colleague Mike Wells, right after this. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show is a guy I've been a big fan of for a long time, but it's been hard to get him on the show because the Lions and Colts, they just don't play. 
my colleague from ESPN, covers the Colts, Mike Wells. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, how you doing? You know, I had a flashback because, um, you know, watching the highlights of, uh, of uh, Matthew Stafford leading the Lions down the field against the Falcons after the Todd Gurley touchdown brought back memories in 2016 because Stafford did the exact same thing against the Colts. Um, obviously, it wasn't the same scenario where the Colts accidentally scored, but he led them down the field and won the game pretty late. It was an overtime or something, but I've always been a fan of, of Stafford. I mean, I know – some people question him, but I've always been a fan of his ability to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's it's something that I think is pretty interesting because I think he gets, you know, a little bit underrated at times because the Lions just haven't won. And that's definitely been, I think, a big concern that they just haven't won. And I think what, depending on what happens this year, the rest of the way, it could determine his future in Detroit. Uh, it's people who've listened to this podcast. We've heard, we've talked about that a lot over the, especially over the first months of the season when things were not going well. And frankly, Stafford wasn't playing well, but the last few weeks he has been playing well. And it, it's been pretty interesting. Now I'm curious, how's Phillip Rivers been? Because I think the last time the Lions saw Phillip Rivers last year, it wasn't going well for Phillip Rivers out in California. How's it been with him so far in Indianapolis? Well, let's just say uh, I think Philip Rivers, he did pack up the football, uh, the, the turnover footballs that he had out there, the Chargers last year, and brought some over to Indianapolis. But with that with that said, though, well, you know, I think the last game the Colts played, they, they spotted the Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals 21-0. Um, and then next, you know, Philip Rivers put the ball in his right arm and he brought the Colts back. I mean, he had, you know, his best game of the season. He did have one – one interception in the fourth quarter that I thought would come back and bite the Colts in the rear end. But with that, um, when Rivers does not have to throw the ball a lot and just, you know, make smart decisions, I think he's a very talented quarterback. The thing that he has in him, though, is he likes to take chances still. And it, it, it kind of bit him in the rear end earlier in the season. He cost him two games, in my opinion, week one against, against the Jaguars. And then um, and then when they lost to the Cleveland Browns, both of the losses, a lot of it was – Oh, excuse me. I got, I got, oh man, a lot of it was on Phillip Rivers there uh, in, in, in the situation. Is it something that are they trying to are they trying to lean more on say Jonathan Taylor or is it still kind of Phillip Rivers and they're just you know kind of trying to balance it more? Well, uh, you know, if, if you think Indianapolis Colts, you've always thought of like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck throw the football, fling it down the field. That's not the case this year. You know, they have arguably one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So they are trying to run the football first and and rely on Jonathan Taylor, the talented rookie out of Wisconsin, and uh, be a run-first team and then have Rivers throw on the ass-needed bases. But when you're spotting teams' uh, big leads, uh, you're, you're forced to throw the football. But, yeah, they're, they're, if you had to say pick one or the other, run first or pass first, I would say the Colts are definitely more – of a, uh, excuse me, a run first football team. Has Taylor been a surprise? Because obviously it, it didn't seem like he was going to be maybe the number one guy at the start of the year, but then obviously a few injuries pushed him into that. Or is, is this what you thought might eventually happen at some point? Kind of like what's going on right now with the Lions and Swift too, where Swift's starting to emerge. Going into the season, it was all about Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor with Mack being the starter. But um, like so many players in the NFL, 
uh, early in the season, Marlon Mack was lost for the season with the, with the torn Achilles. So Jonathan Taylor has taken on more of a workload than what the Colts envisioned to start with. He's had he's had his moments. He rushed for over 100 yards in his first start against Minnesota in Week Two. But at the same time, I think he's realizing that um, the, the 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 defenses that he's going against right now are not the Rutgers of the Big Ten or or the uh, the Indiana Universities of of um, the Big Ten. He's going against guys that you know you're not going to be able to stretch it out and turn the corner. You you see in running lane, you have to get through that lane. And Taylor is slowly getting around to getting that because these guys are way too fast, way too athletic. They're going to close that gap up pretty quick. But with that said, he has not been a disappointment. He has been far of a disappointment. This is like an audition for him because Marlon Mack will be a free agent at the end of the season. And you're talking about a player coming off a torn Achilles. This is the opportunity right now for Jonathan Taylor to say, hey, I, I can be the starter right now, and I'm definitely the starter for the future. Do you think he's done enough so far to kind of say, hey, listen, this is, you know, bring in a complimentary back, bring in somebody to help me out, but, like, I'm good here? No, it's, it's way too early to tell. But with that said, I mean, the coach did use a second-round draft pick on him. So um, I think he's headed in that direction. I'm not ready to say he is definitely the long-term answer for the, for the Colts at running back. But I think he's headed in that direction by the way things are going. Looking at kind of the guys Philip Rivers is throwing to, T.Y. Hilton's been a guy that I think for so long, you know, people have associated with the Colts. How has he been thus far this year? And I know obviously Paris Campbell, they were maybe going to rely on, and he got hurt. So is is it still kind of Hilton and then figure everything else out? Or have they been able to kind of find a little bit more? Well, if you look, if you just simply uh, just did a quick glance of the, of the leaderboard of, of the Colts receivers as far as stats goes, you're going to see T.Y. Hilton sitting at the very top of it as far as leading the Colts in uh, receiving yards. But, and I'm going to say there's definitely a big but in that, T.Y. Hilton is on pace for his the least productive season of, of his NFL career when he came in the league in 2012. I mean, he's on pace for the least number of receptions and receiving yards. I got to say, the, 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 uh, you know, getting caught up to speed and the relationship building with Phillip Rivers has not taken off as quick as I, as I thought it would. Um, Hilton is still a very good receiver, but he has no touch. He, uh, he's actually got one touchdown on, on the season. And, I mean, he's got less than three. He's got less than 250 yards receiving in six games. I mean, I, I, was, I was not a math major, but six – He's only average. He's averaging forty yards a game receiving. That's not good out of a guy who is the Colts decided not to give work, uh, give a contract extension during the offseason. He's headed into the final year of his contract, and he's about to turn thirty-one years old. So you you guys talk about Matthew Stafford's future up there in Detroit. I'm starting to wonder. All right, um, what's T. Y. Hilton's long-term future with the Colts because of the lack of production that he's uh, been able to produce so far this season. Now, do you think that that's somewhat of him just kind of hitting that 30, 31-year-old wall that we see so many players hitting? Or is that Phillip Rivers, you know, having his turnover football still from from the Chargers and it's just kind of not working that way? Uh, well, no, I'm looking at it as um, T.Y. Hilton at his best outside of the numbers. Unfortunately, Phillip Rivers struggles throwing the football outside of the numbers. He struggles the football flinging it down the field. T.Y. Hilton uses his speed. Basically, all of T.Y. Hilton's strengths 
are some of the weaknesses that Philip Rivers is experiencing at the age of 38. So that's a bad, that's like a bad combination. I'm not going to call it oil or water or anything, but they've got to find a way, meaning Frank Reich, Philip Rivers, and Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, they have to find a way to, to um, you know, get T.Y. Hilton the ball in different areas, whether it's crossing routes or, you know, quick screens or something like that. They've got to find a T.Y. Hilton is too, is too talented of a football player to have less than 250 yards receiving six weeks into the season. Flipping over to defense, is this defense as legit as their numbers have been? Or? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. No, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and cut you off, Mike. I know it's your show, but this defense is legit. They have one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and Darius Leonard, the Forrest Buckner, who the Colts gave up the number 13 pick in last in last spring's draft, is anchoring that defensive line. I think they probably would like to get a few more sacks, but as far as they've essentially they've got that bend but don't break mentality, and it is working so so far for them. And they're they're an intimidating unit. And a guy that you guys in Detroit are very familiar with, Xavier Rose, is kind of have a, you know, he's come back to life after essentially Minnesota saying, hey, thanks, but we got to go in a different direction. He's had, he's had, he's been, you know, the AFC defensive player of the week already this season once. It's interesting. That's interesting because last year in Minnesota, Xavier Rhodes was just not good. Like it was going so poorly for him in Minnesota last year. It, was that just a, I needed a new place to play. I needed to maybe play in a different defense or did he just kind of maybe get pissed off and he's playing better now? I think, I think it's more the fact that people questioned him no longer being a league quarterback. And he's like, okay, the Colts gave him a prove it deal. And he's out to prove that he, he still has something left in the tank. And he's been impressive. And, and when I, I want to say he's been impressive for the past five games. Week one, he, I was scratching my ball dome saying, what the hell were the Colts thinking and giving him and signing this guy? Because he, uh, he gave up, you know, essentially the winning touchdown. One of, one of uh, it may have been the winning touchdown where he got caught peeking in the backfield. And by the time um, his, the receiver caught the ball, he was like 20 yards in front of Rose for an easy touchdown. So I wonder that. But after that, he has, Rose has been very, very solid. He's, a, he's been the Colts' number one cornerback. I know this guy hasn't played a ton. I don't, at least I don't believe. How's Ta- I mean, Ta- but former Lion, how's Tavon Wilson been in Indianapolis? Because a lot of people thought he would end up back in Detroit, and then he didn't sign for a while. COVID happened, and then he ended up, you know, falling into Indy kind of late. Well, let's go ahead and talk about somebody else, man. Okay. That that should that should that hey that should that that should answer your question right there for you. <laughs> that should that should answer your question about Tavon Wilson. The fact that I said let's go ahead and just move on and uh, talk about somebody else. So I mean, he's played in all six games. He's got six tackles. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> so what six tackles, two two tackles for two tackles two tackles for loss. But with that said, though, I got I have to say. I'm not going to make it sound like he's a bad football player, but the Colts love their corner. Um, excuse me, their safeties. They have Kari Willis playing, a, who's a Michigan State product, playing at starting at strong safety. He's a box safety, second year player, and then Julian Blackman, who's a rookie from Utah. He he came on once Malik Cooker tore his uh, Achilles and stepped right in, and he is you know Willis and Blackman are the they are the future at safety for the Colts. I mean, the thing about Blackman. He tore his ACL in the Pac-12 championship game last December, and he's out there picking off passes and winning games for the Colts. So it's not that, that, that Wilson is a bad player. He's just playing behind two players that 
the Colts believe are their future at that position. So all these levels of the defense clearly have high-impact players. What do you think is their strength? Man, you know, it's funny you ask me that, Mike, because it's not like, okay, this team is a – they're going to sit here and they're going to get a lot they're going to get a lot of sacks. They I mean that's that's uh that's that's not that's not the case for them right now. I mean, you know, uh Justin Houston leads them in sacks with three and a half. They don't have a lot of sacks as a team. They have 13. Uh basically it, it's a bend of, but don't break mentality. I mean they they run a lot of, you know, they run some zone defense and Joe Burrow was picking them apart last week, but when they need to make that big play, they find a way to make that play happen. And I mean, in six games, they've got ten interceptions, so we're averaging almost two two interceptions a game. So they're basically they're a very op- uh, opportunistic defense. They're going to find a way to get that play when necessary. As far as I mean, as far as rushing goes, it seems like they've been they've been pretty good against the run. Is that is that accurate, or am I reading reading the numbers a little bit wrong? No, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to make fun of you and saying uh, you're reading the stats wrong. No, they they're they're very good. Run defense. I can't wait for them to play play Derrick Henry twice. Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans twice in that 17 day span coming up in a couple of weeks. I think that's going to definitely be a real test. And speaking of tests, and I, I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to insult the Detroit Lions or anything, but the, to find out the Colts are going to be a legit team, it's going to happen after they play the Detroit Lions. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're going to sit here and overlook the Lions because that is. Definitely far from the case. I think, you know, that was a wake-up call against Cincinnati and losing to Jacksonville. But after they play the Lions, they've got to, they got to play the Ravens. Then they, then they get the Titans, Packers, Titans. That is going to be a very tough four-game stretch. And six of their final ten games are against teams that are averaging uh, nearly 30 points a game. The Colts are only averaging 26 points a game. So that means Phillip Rivers and that offense is going to have to find a way to put up a, some, some legit points. Or that defense is going to say, okay, we're not going to let Lamar Jackson run wild all over us. We're not going to let Derrick Henry run wild. We're, going to, we're not going to sit here and let Aaron Rodgers look like he did against the, uh, the um, Houston Texans next weekend. So that's when the real test is going to start, once they get past the Lions. And, again, I'm not insulting the Lions, but the Colts should beat the Detroit Lions, and then we'll see what type of team they really are going forward. I was going to say, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily take that as an insult either because if you're playing the Ravens and the Titans twice and the Packers after that, like the Lions are not on the level of those teams. And if anyone who's listening to this podcast knows that if you've watched the Lions, you know that they seem to be maybe finding some stuff, but I mean, the Packers handled them thoroughly. And if the Ravens played them, they probably would too. That said, do you think that they can come in and win on the road? Or do you think they maybe do get caught looking ahead to Lamar and then looking ahead to Derrick Henry twice and to Aaron Rodgers, games that all are going to be marquee games? Um, had, had the Bengals not did what they did in the first, first quarter and a half against the Colts, I could say this could be a slippage game. But I think the Colts realize they know what's lying ahead of them. And they know if they expect to be able to – hang with the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. They have to beat the Lions and be 6-2 and two going into that game against the Ravens in, uh, on November 8th. So I'm not going to – the, the opportunity will be there for Detroit, but I just don't think the Colts are going to be – they're going to look past them, especially because they're going to have Dar- – excuse me, Darius Leonard back for the first time in uh, three games. On Sunday? Yes. This Sunday, they'll have him back. He's been out with a groin injury since the injury against the Bears and 
think it was week three or so of the season. I think that's when that injury happened. So, so then the obvious question there is how would he, how does, I mean, I think I know the answer, but you're the expert on the Colts. How, how does Darius Leonard change their defense? He's the, he's the pulse of their defense. He, he is the, he's that guy. He's that contagious guy where you see him hyped up and all of a sudden he's hyped up. Mike, you look like you can't dance, but if you've seen Darius Leonard out on the dance floor dancing, all of a sudden you got rhythm and you can dance good too. He's that guy that can get everybody else following behind and following his lead and everything is good. I was going to say, did, did Brian Hamilton tell you these stories? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not revealing any of my sources on things, on people talking about you and stuff when you've been out having an adult beverage or two and stuff, man. I'm not going to put that out there. It might have been, you know, your buddy from The Athletic who uh, covers Michigan and Michigan State. I saw him uh, when I was covering the BMW uh, championships <laughs> up in Olympia Fields. Um, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, got, I got eyes all over you, Mike. There's eyes all <laughs> over you telling me what's going on, man. Well, I was going to say, those eyes are correct because no one really wants to see me dance and no one is ever, no one wants that. That's just, it's, it's worse than Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. Like, it's just not going to go well. Last question for you is, can Phillip Rivers take advantage of a Lions defense that seems like it's still figuring itself out? Or is he limited enough where the Lions can maybe game plan and scheme well enough to kind of really fluster him? No, because here's the thing. Phillip Rivers can't run. You can probably beat Phillip Rivers in a 40-yard dash, but he's smart. He's going to – and he's playing behind a very good old line that has not given up a lot of sacks. Um, unless they can disguise and run some gimmicks that Phillip Rivers has not seen during his 17-year NFL career, Rivers has seen it all. Uh, the biggest thing is that they're going to have to – the Lions defensive backs and linebackers are going to have to react quick because Rivers is not going to hold on to the football. He's going to get rid of it and, you know, try to avoid getting any kind of pressure on him. So it'll be, it'll be a game of cat and mouse between Rivers and that, and that Lions defense. Hey, Mike, one last thing for you. I lied. Who do you th- so who do you think wins? Who do you take on Sunday? I'm going to get a Colts in a close game, a close game. And, you know, this kind of, again, is my bias that, I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of like Matthew Stafford and stuff, man. But at the same time, I'm not too keen on uh, Detroit's head coach. So, um, and you know, and besides, I'm not too keen on him because uh, you know he he likes to mess with my man Mike Rostin too. So you mess with Rostin, I can't, I can't, I can't roll with uh, Matt Patricia. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm going, I'm going with the Colts here. I go with Frank Reich, um, outsmarting the Lions uh, on Sunday, on Sunday afternoon. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. All right, Mike, be good, man. Absolutely. Thanks very much to Mike Wells for jumping on the podcast. You can follow Mike Wells on Twitter at MikeWellsNFL. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. As always, if you'd be so kind, drop us a five-star review. Or any star, I guess, depending on how you feel about this podcast. But hopefully if you're listening and make it to the end of a show that you feel good enough about it to leave a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I know I didn't make my pick yet. I will make my pick now. I'm actually going to take the Lions. 
I just get the feeling that their defense has maybe found something, and I don't have a ton of confidence in Phillip Rivers being able to not turn the ball over. I, mean, I figure if the Lions are able to create one or two turnovers, that might be enough for their offense to get just enough done against a really good Colts defense. So give me the Lions in a close one. Again, thank you. Thank you to my sponsors for coming on. And I know we snuck the pick in late there, but we'll chat with you again on Monday.